G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The devil always sets his sights on those who are the greatest threat to his kingdom. Those who are on the devil's team may not feel his oppression. But Pastor Greg Laurie says Satan is always looking for fresh recruits. So if you come here today and you say, Greg, I get tempted all the time. Does that mean I'm not spiritual? That could be an indication you are spiritual. And more to the point, that could be an indication that you're a threat to the devil. And that is why he is setting his sights on you. This is the day when the lost are found. I think the opposition between the forces of light and the forces of darkness are like a friendly game of basketball. They choose up the sides and play the game. But in reality, this is war and the stakes are eternal. It's truly a matter of life and death. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie continues his provocative series called World Changes. We're examining the lives of our spiritual forefathers for insight on how we can change our world like they changed theirs. I uh, heard a story about a guy that loved Krispy Kreme donuts. How many of you love Krispy Kreme donuts? How many of you have had hot Krispy Kreme donuts? Raise your hand. How many of you have never been before? You've never been to Krispy Kreme. It's okay. Go sometime. I think you'll like it. But anyway, he, on his way to work, drove by Krispy Kreme every time. And it was hard because he was gaining weight and he wanted to lose some. He was on a diet, so he made a determination that he would not go the normal route past Krispy Kreme, and that went well for uh, about a week and a half, but then he absentmindedly took the old way to work, and there was Krispy Kreme, and the sign was lit up. Now, you know what that means, right? So in the window, if you've never been to Krispy Kreme, this is gonna be helpful to you. Uh, If that sign is lit up in the window, it means they're making fresh donuts, hot glazed donuts, the best ever. And uh, the most I've eaten, I think, is six. Is that bad? It sounds like that's bad, yeah. They're smaller though. Come on, they're smaller. Have you noticed that? Hey, don't judge me, man. Judge not unless you be judged. I love how people always misquote that. But anyway, uh, so he, you know, absentmindedly drove by and the sign was lit up and he thought, maybe this is a sign from God. Maybe the Lord wants me to have a Krispy Kreme donut. But then he said, well, you know, it's always so crowded there, especially when the sign's lit up. If, Lord, if there's a parking space right in front, I'll know it's from you. And the eighth time around the block, one opened up. So, <laughs> right? And I am that man. This, this is, okay, so that's how temptation works, right? It's like, I don't know why I always get tempted, but we unnecessarily put ourselves in the way of temptation. That's what I want to talk about today. Because we're gonna look at the life of Joseph. If you remember, his life could be divided into three sections, start, struggle, and success. 
start basically birth to age 17, a pampered young man, favored by his father over his brothers, uh, having his amazing dreams, which actually were given to him by God, then struggle, uh, that's age 17 to 30. And that's what we're gonna be looking at in this message to some degree, the struggle he had, and then finally success, 30 years to death. And so this was a young man who faced some heavy duty temptation, and why? Because the devil always sets his sights on those who are the greatest threat to his kingdom. So if you come here today and say, Greg, I can't remember the last time I was tempted, that actually says something about you. <laughs> that doesn't say to me, you're a spiritual person. That says to me, the devil looks at you and say, why bother? But if you come here today and you say, Greg, I get tempted all the time. And I have these things hit me in my mind and these thoughts and these other things. Does that mean I'm not spiritual? No, au contraire. That's French for, I have no idea. But no, no to, <laughs> to the contrary. That could be an indication you are spiritual, and more to the point, that could be an indication that you're a threat to the devil, and that is why he is setting his sights on you. You might be surprised to know that testing and temptation can have a positive effect in the life of the believer. Well, we think these are horrible things, but God can use them. It's been said, Christians are a lot like tea bags. You don't know what they're made of until you put them in hot water. So maybe you're in the hot water of temptation or trial right now. Well, now let's pick up the story of Joseph. You remember uh, he would, you know, strut around maybe in that coat of many colors, as King James calls it, a beautiful long sleeve tunic dad gave to him, uh, effectively saying you don't have to work in the fields like your brother's son. Uh, and he would send his son Joseph to check up on the brothers. And so one day Joseph was checking up on him and they said, oh, here comes the dreamer. We've had enough of him. Let's kill him. Wow, talk about sibling rivalry. But then a group of traveling slave traders happened to be passing by. So they sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver. So Joseph is now a slave. I mean, from overnight, He's gone from a, a comfortable bed to a life of uncertainty, from uh, security to shivering and shackles. It's horrible. And this is where the story picks up. Genesis 39, verse one. Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders. He was purchased by Potiphar, the Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. You might underline that phrase and come back to it. The king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, underline that for sure. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar and soon he made Joseph his personal attendant. He put Joseph in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what he was going to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built man and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. We'll stop there. So Joseph's world changes overnight. But he was gonna find in time his dreams were gonna come true. 
His dreams were others would bow before him, but there was gonna be some tough sledding first. He was sent to Egypt. Egypt was a godless place, a completely pagan country filled with religious superstition. The Egyptians would worship up to 2,000 gods and goddesses. They would worship uh, animals and insects and they would worship the Nile River and of course they worshiped the Pharaoh himself. They were also given over to gross immorality and they would build these incredible uh, structures and they would utilize slave labor in their own citizens. So here in this teeming metropolis, this city of wickedness and idolatry, comes Joseph who's really lived a sheltered life. He's only 17 years old. He's effectively the country boy coming to the big city and he's purchased by a man named Potiphar identified in verse one as captain of the guard. This meant that he was a high ranking Egyptian official. He was head of the military police. We might also call them the Gestapo uh, to kind of illustrate the kind of power he would have. He was also uh, over the royal bodyguard which was sort of the secret service of the day. They say he is the chief of the executioners. In other words, everyone who was killed, the order had to be given by Potiphar. In fact, Potiphar's name says it all. A Potiphar comes from the Hebrew, one badadudo. And um, <laughs> it translates one bad dude. No, I made that up. But that's the kind of guy he was. A man to be feared. But Joseph wasn't intimidated at all. Why? Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph. Do you know that the Lord is with you too? If you're a Christian, He's with you. Elijah was able to walk courageously into the court of Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel and speak the words God gave him because the Bible says he would say, as the Lord God lives before whom I stand. Elijah recognized wherever he went, he was standing before God and Joseph understood the same. Wherever you go, Jesus is there. And Jesus wants to bless you. And he blessed Joseph. I mean, Joseph is a classic example of Psalm 1. It says, blessed is a man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in God's word. In it does he meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. Listen, his leaves shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Blessed be that man. God does want to bring prosperity into the life of the Christian. Here's the problem. There is a, a segment of people that have what is sometimes called the prosperity gospel. Uh, the word faith movement it's sometimes called where they've taken the truth and they've exaggerated it so much that sometimes we're afraid to talk about it. The prosperity gospel says you're always gonna be healthy. God wants everyone to be wealthy. He only wants you to have prosperity, never any kind of sickness, etc. Never any kind of suffering either. Well, Joseph prospered. But in that prosperity that also included spending some time in prison. So even in God's prosperity, there can be hardship, but ultimately God wants to bless us, and He certainly did with Joseph. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S., and he's tracking the life of Joseph today with its many ups and downs. There's lots to learn as Pastor Greg shows us how to emulate this young man's character. We're in a message called The Temptation of a World Changer. Joseph was a model of how a Christian should function in the workplace. 
I mean, Potiphar, man, he was, he was a hard guy to work for, but Joseph worked with complete integrity. He's so successful that Potiphar's made him his executive assistant. He's second in command. Potiphar's saying, look, son, you're, you're over the books. Uh, you're over the house. You're over everyone that works for me. In fact, all I'm worrying about today is, what am I having for lunch? And here's what happens now to Joseph. After great success, the devil attacks. Genesis 39, read with me, starting in verse seven. By the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Potiphar's wife began to look at him lustfully. Come sleep with me, she said. Well, she was far from subtle. But Joseph refused. And he told her, look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife. Like, hint, hint, remember you're married? How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Man, I would underline that verse. A great sin against God. But she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around. He wanted to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, his coat, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in her hand, and he ran from her house. We'll stop there. She's so ticked off that he rejected her advances. She falsely accuses him of rape. She yells to the servants, well, look at what this man did. He tried to take advantage of me. I've got his coat. And he fled out of here. And then when her husband got home, she told him. By the way, I think Potiphar knew his wife was a liar. I think he knew she was a seductress. I think he knew she was making this all up, but he went along with it. You know, sort of reminds us of that movie from years ago, The Graduate. Remember that? Where an older woman seduces a young man and you could almost hear Joseph saying, well, I think you're trying to seduce me, Mrs. Potiphar. Uh, cue the Simon and Garfunkel song. I mean, wow. She was the original cougar. She wanted Joseph to be her boy toy. And he was very handsome, the Bible says. Very good looking guy. And maybe it was a little bit flattering to have her give so much attention toward him. But he resisted her. And by the way, he's a young guy. He's in his 20s. He's a bachelor. And he has normal God-given sexual desires. And not to mention the fact that he's now been 10 years in Egypt with all those values around him. He could have said, hey, who would ever know Maybe it'll help my career. And besides, I'm in Egypt, so I might as well walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> but he didn't do that, did he? I love verse 10. He kept out of her way as much as possible. You know one of the best ways to deal with temptation? Stay away from it when you can. Now granted, temptation can hit us anywhere, right? Temptation can hit you sitting in church. It's not always an immoral, impure thought. It could be uh, a thought of anger, a thought of hatred, a thought of jealousy, or some other thing you're tempted with uh, coming to church or leaving church. It can hit you at any time and any place. But let's all be honest. We know there are places we can go that make us more vulnerable, right? Like the guy with the Krispy Kreme. 
He knew if he drove by and the sign was lit up, he was gonna go in there. And we know where we're weak. We know where we'll fall. And the devil is smart. He's been doing this for a while. So he won't say, hey you, happy Christian, come here. I wanna ruin your life. I wanna destroy your family. In fact, I don't wanna just destroy your family. I wanna destroy your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids who aren't even born yet because I'm gonna mess you up so bad it's gonna be passed on from generation to generation. In fact, I'd like you to become an addict, uh, become an alcoholic. Uh, you know, maybe, hey, if things go well, from my perspective, you'll kill yourself. What do you think? What moron's gonna respond to that? The, okay, which way do I go? Okay. Not many. <laughs> no, the devil's smart to come and say, hey, I, I know you'd never do this stuff. I know you'd never be unfaithful to your spouse. I know you'd never lie or steal, but just this once, try this out. Just take a little taste. Just take a test drive. Just try it on once. Just take this thought out for a spin. And that's where the problems begin. Because it starts with that little thing that becomes a bigger thing. Martin Luther once said, I can't stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can stop him from building a nest in my hair. Now in my case, the bird better bring its own materials because there's, <laughs> there's just nothing there to work with. But you get the idea of what he's saying, right? I can't stop the bird from flying over, but I don't have to say, hey, come on, in, enter in here. And so if the devil knocks on your door, don't have a conversation with them. Don't answer the door. Just leave it closed. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It doesn't say have extended conversations with the devil. Nor does it say check out what he's offering just so you know. Nor does it say invite him in for tea. It says resist him. And that's what Joseph did. He kept out of her way, verse 10, as much as possible. You see, Joseph recognized temptation is not a sin. Rather, it's a call to battle. But this woman, she was relentless. She kept putting pressure on him, verse 10 says, day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. She just would not give up. And she came back at him over and over again. And I'm sure she used every verbal and visual seductive technique she could think of. She did everything to allure him, but in spite of her persistence, in spite of his natural desires and tendencies, in spite of the advancement it could have given his career, he resisted. How did he do it? Verse nine gives us the answer. He says, how can I do this thing and sin against God? He did not want to do this thing that would bring dishonor to the Lord. So he ran as fast as he could. as it says in 2 Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Pastor Greg Laurie is giving us a guided tour of the triumphs and the trials of Joseph's life. It's a message called The Temptation of a World Changer. And tomorrow we'll learn more from the life of Joseph here on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. I do hope you can join us at the same time right here. We'll catch you then. Now, for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The Temptation of a World Changer. 
Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.